Welcome back my friend, it is time for this week's ADHD Powerful Possibilities. I am JDHD Coach Catherine and this week we are looking at ADHD and stress. When I called chronic stress the silent assassin in a recent social media post, a friend of mine said, don't you think you're being a bit clickbaity? Are you being a bit of a sensationalist here? I really want to keep things grounded in fact and avoid the kind of sensational headlines that I see big podcasters and media people using when they're trying to get listeners. Is it accurate to call chronic stress a silent assassin? I would argue that yes, it is. It's one of the biggest problems that we face as a society today. And for people with ADHD, I would go further and say it's more of a problem for us because we're permanently in a state of chronic stress unless we're actively taking steps to deal with it. So let's look at what is stress, how does it affect people with ADHD, what can we do about it and as usual there will be journal articles and references that you can find in the show notes. What does chronic stress do to your body? According to the APA, Chronic stress is linked to the six major causes of death in the West at the moment. Heart disease, cancer, lung disease, accidents, liver cirrhosis, and unfortunately, taking of one's own life. I don't want to use the term because it will cause algorithms to go off, but unaliving is the way that young people talk about it today. The unique impact of ADHD can mean that everyday life in itself becomes a chronic stressor and that means that we are much more vulnerable to these impacts. And adults with ADHD are twice as likely to be diabetic than people without ADHD. Although chronic stress may not directly cause diabetes, I'll explain later why I think it is particularly important for people with ADHD to be aware of how it can affect your health long term. And we tend to think of stress as affecting our mental health, our well-being, our level of anxiety and so on, but it has a real physical effect and I want you to be aware that your mental health and your physical health are connected throughout your life, but especially as you get older. So today we're going to look at stress, we're going to unpack what it is, how it affects us physically, mentally, the connection with ADHD, and more importantly, what we can do about it. As always, at the end of the programme, there will be takeaways that you can start to use today. And last week, we began by looking at ADHD and emotional dysregulation. A quick recap. Emotional dysregulation can be experienced as sudden mood changes, an intense emotional reaction, having problems calming down after we've been really stressed and upset. And it also can affect your personal and professional performance at home and at work. Emotional dysregulation can occur at any time. It's something we experience through our whole life. Lots of people were told, you're just a bit emotional, you're too sensitive, get over it. So if you want to know more about emotional dysregulation, RSD, how emotions are formed, what the pathway is in your body, jump back to last week after this episode. One of the reasons I wanted to have a whole episode looking at stress is because our emotions can be triggered by stressors in the environment. The external stimuli, the internal stimuli that lead to emotions are described as stressors. So while you're learning to notice what affects your focus, your energy, your sleep, we're also going to start to look at what's affecting your individual stress response and what can you do about it. Ideally, we're going to get those stress bunnies into line so that they're not running around and spoiling your nice garden. But it takes time. There are no quick solutions. There's no one cool trick 
that I'm going to share with you today, but I am going to give you the facts that you need and some tools that you can choose to play with later on. And I want to reassure you, this doesn't mean you need to mask or hide any kind of unhealthy resilience. There's none of that. It's really about going beyond needing to mask and needing to feel that you have to be resilient. We want to design a life where that is not required. Let's imagine that you have a backpack on your back and it's got rocks in it. These rocks are every challenge that you have throughout the day, every demand upon your focus, upon your energy, upon your time. And if you have ADHD, you're already starting with a backpack that's more than half full just because of the way that your brain works. And not only are those stones heavier, but they can be added to or taken away, or at least it feels unpredictable. And although you can't take the backpack off completely, unlike some gurus, I'm not suggesting that we all go off and live in the forest and have this wonderful organic lifestyle, which would be really nice for many of us. It's just not practical. So the backpack has to stay on so that we can manage stress and events in our daily life. But can we reinforce the strap? Can we make it more comfortable on your shoulders? Can you build up your muscles so that you don't even feel the backpack anymore? And is there a way to keep the rocks from going in? Or can we make the rocks that you have to pick up smaller? Think about your backpack as we go through this episode. And I'm going to start asking you to think about the rocks that you're carrying and the ones that are being added every day. Let's look at the science of stress. Stress is just a response to our environment. When we see something as a challenge or a threat, our body releases chemicals, neurotransmitters like adrenaline and cortisol. These get us ready to fight, flight, freeze, or there's another one that some people add, fawn or fib, whichever one you want to use. But basically, your brain is saying, I'm going to keep you alive for as long as possible, and that means you need to be ready to run. So here are some chemicals that will make your muscles go faster, make your heart beat faster, turn off your digestion a little bit and get your brain focused to move you out of harm's way. And if you go back to the episode talking about emotions, I go into detail about the pathway that all these messages get passed through in your brain. If you think about being late for a meeting, being late for a drop off at school, being late for a, an important deadline, your heart starts to pound, you maybe start to sweat, your hands get damp and clammy, maybe feel a bit sick. This is the impact of stress being felt in a short time frame on your body. Now the NHS in the UK says stress can make you irritable, angry, can make you feel worried, tearful. It can sometimes make us feel hopeless or scared if it goes on for too long. It can also make it hard to make decisions. Now is this starting to sound a little bit like what we experience with ADHD. If your thoughts are racing, you're struggling to make decisions and you're feeling overwhelmed, how are you going to determine if it's just ADHD or if it's a stress in your environment, in your current situation? You might want to look at some of the physical reactions that can go with it in the short term. Things like racing pulse, a headache. Lots of us have had those headaches that last all day and it can be caused by stress. Stress because our muscles are tight, our shoulders are tight, our neck is cramping up. So you could have a physical sign that can help you determine is this stress or is this ADHD. But the point is that the overlap is already there. So it's important to manage stress and be proactive about it. The reason that stress and ADHD are such a toxic combination 
is that we already have a different background level, a base level, if you like, of neurotransmitters like dopamine, cortisol, adrenaline. Our brain releases these in attenuated or lower way. Somebody described it once as playing a game in hard mode from the beginning without realising. And as somebody who came to computer games late in life, I always go for the easy option. I will never choose to play in hard mode because I find that off-putting. And I do think many of us with ADHD feel like we just can't win. And a lot of that is down to stress. But if you're already struggling with dopaminephrine, cortisol, adrenaline, imagine what happens. Let's say you're a marketing executive. You have got a big deadline for a new client, your project isn't finished and you're struggling to gather all the resources together. What's your response going to be? Are you going to be calm, communicate clearly with your team, bring things together or are you more likely to be running around, getting snappy with people, filling your heart, maybe getting a bit fast, maybe even getting some chest pains? Which one of these are you going to experience more? And if that becomes your norm we tip over into the area of chronic stress, which is very different from the positive stress that I want to look at next. Stress can be a positive thing. We don't need to spend too long on why stress can be positive. But if we have a lower background level of adrenaline, norep, etc., when you have a short urgency burst of adrenaline, you might find that your brain focuses more easily and you suddenly can get things done. You see the solution to the problem. You take action. It's one of the reasons why many people with ADHD find themselves in high-pressure environments, whether that is working in emergency services, in medicine. These kind of intense bursts of energy, wonderful for our brain, or at least they feel wonderful to begin with. The thing that makes stress positive is that it is short-term, it is defined, and there's a problem that you can solve. If you are in a job with a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, but you have very little control over how that problem that is managed, that is going to eventually turn into a chronic stressor. And one of the areas that's very common for people with ADHD to experience chronic stress is at work. We may not have control over the things that are affecting us on a day-to-day basis, which is why home, work, relationships, parenting, money problems, these all become sources of chronic stress because we are not in control. We're not the only person involved. The circumstances may not be something that we can manage in isolation. And of course, when we are stressed, the impact, all those things we've talked about, struggling to focus, feeling overwhelmed, being able to make decisions, these get worse and they make your AD traits feel worse, have more of an impact And so it becomes this vicious cycle. The more overwhelmed you become, the more stressed you become, the more stressed you become, the more your ADHD affects you. And then you get even more stressed. You can see where this is going. It's a vicious cycle that needs managed and, of course, support. If you add in the higher rates of childhood traumatic experiences and a more negative view of life, of ourselves, a more ruminative state of mind, if you like, that also means that people with ADHD are more likely to experience chronic stress. So if you have ADHD, impact of identifying the chronic stress, the things that you can deal with and that you can get support for, and even learning to manage your positive stress and identify it before it turns into something that is burning you out can be a real game changer in how we feel every day 
and how we manage when things do go off the rails because life happens, right? The thing is, that combination of doing deep work, of challenging the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about life, the way we look at challenges that come up for us, needs to be done along with the everyday short-term things like what are we tolerating? Are we making sure we're getting enough sleep? You need to do both of those things to make a significant and long-lasting change. And that might mean taking a bit of time to stop looking at new shiny objects and thinking, what do I need to address now and in the long term and how am I going to do that? Let's have a look at the special stressors that people with ADHD might experience. Think about your executive functions. People with ADHD have a wide range of executive function challenges. Some people have amazing ability to plan ahead and they can almost visualise how they're going to structure things. Some people have brilliant time management skills but they could not plan and organise a holiday if you paid them thousands of pounds. They all fall into this general bucket which we call executive functions and within those you will find the requirements for daily adult life. So even before we start to think about extra problems we're likely to experience with money, with family, you're starting from a a higher level of demand on a daily basis. Another problem that people with ADHD in particular are likely to experience is the impact of multitasking. Multitasking is never good for anybody and studies have shown even when people think they're really good at multitasking they're not. Multitasking feels really good with ADHD because it feels like we're being very efficient, we're getting extra things done at once, our brain is happy because it's being allowed to attend to different things at the same time and that is an extra bunch of rocks that you're putting into your backpack because you're dividing your brain already almost across the board. ADHD affects your time management and time is incredibly pressured these days. We have deadlines, we have demands and time, if you're already struggling to grasp it, to manage it, to understand it, then that is an extra rock that goes into your backpack from the start of your day. I know a remarkable number of people with ADHD who struggle with auditory processing. Now, that doesn't mean we can't hear. It means that the processing of instruction or information that comes in through our ears takes longer to turn into information that we can use. For example, if I was in a classroom, I need to be taking notes at the same time as I'm listening because then I can look at the notes and I know what the person's been saying. If you gave me directions to a place and I didn't manage to write them down, I wouldn't remember them. I can remember one or two steps at most. And this is really normal. It's nothing to do with how intelligent you are or how good your memory is. It's just the information that comes in that way is more difficult for us to retain. This week, it's been very windy and stormy in Scotland and I felt incredibly tense for no new reason. And it was just the sound of the wind outside that was making my brain feel really on edge. So when we're thinking about emotions and emotional dysregulation and stress, I hope you can see how the impact of stress is going to affect your emotions and lead very quickly into emotional dysregulation if we're unaware of what's happening. 
Stress doesn't just add extra rocks into your backpack, which is already half full because of ADHD. It amplifies the impact because it increases your cortisol. And the more of these neurotransmitters like adrenaline and cortisol that we have, the more things like focus, attention, problem solving, the executive functions are affected. And so the more stressed we become. And we really quickly end up in this vicious circle of being really stressed. Our ADHD feels worse. We have a harder time doing things. That makes our stress worse. And you can see how it really starts to get out of control, which is why overwhelm and just paralysis happens so often. And I'm not talking about physical paralysis, although we can experience it as an inability to move. But that mental block of not being able to do a single thing and that feeling of just everything being too much intimately connected between your emotional dysregulation, the amount of stress that is in your life. Of course, the stress that's in your life ripples out. It goes through your workplace, it goes through your home, goes through your friendships. And we know how important social connection is for people with ADHD. But if you're permanently stressed, anxious, and you're maybe like me, a bit snappy when you're on edge, when you've got a lot to handle, that can make social connection much harder to maintain. You might feel you're too busy to make time to cultivate friendships, to spend time with your loved ones without anything else going on. So the impact of stress goes through your whole life and then goes out into society as a whole. Because of our heightened sensitivity to stress and the impact it has on us, what are the really quick things that you can do? The first one, obviously, is exercise. And by exercise, a walk around the block. Anything that gets your heart rate up to a, what they call zone two, where you can still have a conversation, but you're feeling like you're moving. And for me, that doesn't have to be very much these days because I'm quite unfit at the moment. But exercise has an incredible effect on everybody's brain and our cortisol levels, etc. But especially if you have ADHD. So try to make that something you have every day. The other thing that you can do is introduce a very short mindfulness practice. And this isn't a 45 minute scan of your body and dwelling on all of your thoughts and examining them and things like that. It's literally learning to manage your breathing in a way that can allow you to reduce that tension and stress. We'll come back to that before we go on to more ways that you can manage stress because we don't want to get rid of stress completely. It's actually a positive and helpful thing for most people. Let's talk about this resilience which has gone too far. Toxic resilience. Now I know many people with ADHD are incredibly resilient. We keep going. We have an almost insatiable need to solve the problem and it's one of the reasons why we end up in business for ourselves. It's one of the reasons why people with ADHD can be a huge gift in your workplace if you're an employer listening to this people with ADHD will keep going till they solve that problem but it can come at a cost to themselves when you are feeling burnt out and overwhelmed it may be that you have strayed too close to this kind of toxic level of resilience what does that look like how are you going to spot it how do you know if you've gone too far in this resilience trait that is so normal in ADHD you could be ignoring signs of burnout, which we talked about before. It could be that you are working late every single night instead of one or two nights a month. It could mean you're not making time for activities that you enjoy and which are, in quotes, not productive or not related to your work. 
And this is a really common trap for high achievers with ADHD, where people who are self-employed, entrepreneur, they push and push and then they burn out because they've ignored these signs. Let's pause and I want you to answer these five questions. Are you ignoring your limits, physical or mental? Are you somebody who's glorifying overwork? Has it become a badge of honour to work 60 or 70 hours a week? Are you neglecting your emotional health? Do you have somebody that you can regularly connect with and express things to? Have you lost the boundary between your work and your life? Is there any balance left? And do you recognise that you are working at a level that is not sustainable but continue to do so anyway? If you can answer yes to most of these questions, please take care of yourself because that is very close to burnout territory. It might not happen emotionally, but physically the effect of that much stress is going to come home eventually. What happens if we just ignore the stress or we try to manage it in a way that isn't helpful? I mentioned earlier the physical impact of chronic stress according to the APA and it's really scary and I don't use that word very often but it is genuinely. Things that you would imagine like anxiety and depression are more common but also heart disease, cancer, lung disease, liver cirrhosis, more likely to have high blood pressure which is the silent killer. You're more likely to have strokes, sleep problems, you're more likely to gain weight and of course you'll have problems with memory and we suspect there's a connection between stress and things like dementia. Stress changes our behaviour because we adapt our behaviour to deal with the stress. We're more likely to smoke, to overeat, to eat a more refined type of diet. We're more likely to consume alcohol or other things if we're dealing with stress in a less constructive way. And we know that job pressure with a limited capacity for solving problems, if you're not in charge of your decisions, that's a higher risk for coronary heart disease. Stress even depresses your immune system, so you're more likely to get sick from all the viruses that are going around today. And that makes it harder to recover from illness. And in today's world, that may mean economic problems because you're not working. And of course, we know that money problems feed into stress. It's very easy to fall into a cycle of absolutely feeling trapped by the amount of stress in your life. And before, when I talked about diabetes and stress, there are three reasons why I think stress and diabetes are connected. The first is hormones. If you are stressed, your body is going to release hormones to deal with it. So you'll have more glucose in your bloodstream for you to run away from the tiger or the bear. But over time, if that keeps happening, your blood sugar is going to be permanently raised. And that means you're going to become insulin resistant, which is what leads to type 2 diabetes for many people. The other way stress can lead to diabetes is it affects our behaviour. And of course, there's the inflammatory response. Over time, that is also going to affect how your body responds to insulin. All of these factors together, to me, suggest that diabetes, which we are already at risk for with ADHD, is connected with stress. Let's take a moment and look at how you can identify what's causing stress in your life. And obviously this can feel overwhelming if you are in a place where everything is stressful and you're burnt out. The first thing I do when I want to do a brain dump and work out what's causing me stress is to relax my body first. So I begin by taking a deep breath in through my nose, making sure it's inflating my tummy and then breathing out through my mouth. 
And while I'm doing that, I'm noticing where am I holding tension? For me, it's usually my shoulders and my neck. Sometimes it's in my jaw. If you notice that any of those areas feel tight just now, give them a little wiggle and gently soften them. Imagine nice, soft, warm light on all of those tense, tight muscles, especially in your neck, your shoulders and your jaw. And once I've deliberately relaxed my muscles, it's easier to face the things that are causing stress, the rest of the pile, because I've told my body, it's okay, we're going to think about these things, but right now we're safe. We're just going to make a list. Think about, are you overcommitting at work? Are you saying yes to too many projects? Is there a project or an event coming up at work that you are trying to manage alone? Is there a project or an event that you are trying to manage on your own? Is a member of your family or one of your friends having a hard time? And you're worried about them. You're concerned. You want to help. But there's maybe not very much you feel you can do. Are you carrying that with you? Instead of trying to write down everything at once, take a moment at the end of the day and just check what was causing me the most stress today. Now, I have to say in my personal practice, I tie this with three things that I'm grateful for or three things that gave me joy. So I try to balance it out. But is there something in particular that is causing you stress that you can write down? Now you've identified the type of stress you're experiencing and what's causing it, how do you address it? This is really complicated because it depends on your circumstances, the thing that's causing stress and how much agency or control you have over it. And one of the things that I think causes most stress is when we feel we don't have any agency. It's something that's been imposed on us and we can't get rid of it. If you can't remove the source of the stress, there are ways to think differently about that. You might choose to set a boundary for yourself and say, I'm going to think about this situation for five to ten minutes. If I haven't come up with something that I can do practically, then I'm going to I'm going to put a pin in it and leave it for another day because I can't change it. And sometimes acknowledging that lack of control and saying, I can't do anything about it, it's causing me harm. I'm not letting go of it, but I'm going to leave it to one side can help. You might also find that you come up with a phrase or a mantra. And Dana Marr, who is a fantastic coach in the States and who taught me, came up with this phrase, especially for parents, I can't care more about this than you do. So if you have a teenager who's maybe thinking about exams, you maybe have a partner who's stressed out at work, if you are taking on their stress, if you are taking on too much of the thing that they need to do but aren't doing, that phrase can help you to set a boundary for yourself. I can't care more about this than you do. Because it hurts us in the long term. You might also if you're spending a lot of time in your head with stress, want to spend a bit more time connecting with your body in a way that is pleasant and relaxing. Exercise doesn't have to be strenuous. It can be a gentle walk around the park. I especially love a walk in nature for dealing with stress because it is shown time and time again to have positive impact on your mental health. I'm sure I'm not the only one who remembers the TikTok trend of going for a stupid walk for your stupid mental health. There's a reason that was so popular because people recognised that it was actually helping even if we set out with a level of frustration. You might find that there are gentle yoga practices or somatic forms of exercise that release the tension in your muscles without having to think about it too much. And these can be very beneficial to lower your levels of cortisol and stress 
overall. Because the thing is, if your body is ready for fight or flight, you're going to struggle to find creative ways to solve the other problems at work, at home. Try monitoring your stress levels through the day. And you could do this really simply with a piece of paper and give yourself a scale of 1 to 10. How stressed are you feeling? Set an alarm on your phone, check in every hour, every couple of hours, so that you're beginning to identify the peaks and troughs of stress and energy throughout the day. If you notice that your state has changed, is there a cause? Is there a circumstance? And how is that affecting your mood? Because quite often, after a long time with chronic stress, we don't recognise it anymore. It just becomes this wall of background noise. And once you've identified what is causing you stress, you might need to take some action. This is where you need to have a team. And if you live with other people, whether you're related to them or not, you might want to discuss with them things that are causing you stress. We'll come to communication in future because I think there are ways to do it. But look at how much you're actually doing on a daily basis and ask, I need help with this. Who will take this on? Whether that is being the person who notices when the milk has run out, see if somebody else can manage that for you. If you live on your own, there are going to be people who can do that for you. Yes, it's probably something you might need to pay for. But for example, I pay a bookkeeper because it's a level of stress I don't need in an area that is not my strength. So I pay somebody to do that and they're very good. Hello, Harriet. But list out all your commitments. Look at your priorities. Are these things overwhelming your actual priorities? And what can you get rid of? There's going to be some things you've taken on that are no longer serving you. There are going to be some things that are not your responsibility that someone else can take on. There are going to be things that are your responsibility someone can help you with. And then there are going to be things that you either need to bless and let go or give yourself enough mental space, thinking space, to come up with a different solution. One of the reasons I go to my coach, I get stuck, I can't see a way around it, I go talk to him and we come up with a solution, but he's fantastic at giving me that space to think. Of course, not all coping mechanisms are as healthy. Unhealthy coping mechanisms tend to give you short-term relief. They feel good for five to ten minutes, then everything else kicks in. So it might be that you have spent impulsively, it might be that you eat something that gives you a quick whoosh of glucose, which makes your brain feel happy in the short term, and then a sharp dive. It may be alcohol or something else that allows you to numb out because the chronic stress is just too much. And because of ADHD, we're more susceptible to these addictive types of behaviour because the dopamine is already lower and we're looking for more rewards. We need more rewards more often to feel as good in our brain as the average human. And that's why we need to be really cautious around these unhealthy quick fix solutions for stress. Where else can you look for help apart from these unhealthy coping strategies? We've talked about exercise, we've talked about identifying points in your day when you feel stressed, we've talked about using your body to lower your stress levels before you start to think about things. Let's think about relationships. Now they can be a source of stress. Generally, the studies show that having relationships and family connections can be a buffer. Not all of them. And I'm very aware that for some people, family relationships are a source of significant pain and distress. Obviously, that is not applicable. But maybe you have good friends who can listen and who can give you that thinking space. Maybe they have a different perspective 
And as long as they're not doing it with any expectation of you taking their advice and doing what you're told, it can be helpful because then you can say, no, I don't want to try that solution. And they can say, okay, it can actually help you to think through how you're going to resolve these long-term stressors. And the other thing that you can do is start to incorporate little mindful moments throughout the day. These might not feel like they're having a big impact to begin with, but taking a few moments to pause, the kettle's boiling, just concentrate on the steam coming up, allow your breath to return to a normal rate, focus on that instead of all the stuff you've got to do in advance. These mindful moments build up throughout the day. Over time, that lower cortisol reduces the impact on your physical health. It allows you to come up with more creative solutions to the things that are weighing on you. And one that is incredibly powerful is the pause. I'm going to come back to that in a couple of weeks when we look at a toolkit for emotional regulation. But Taking a moment before you respond and you might want to shout and react, that's actually just going to create more cortisol and you're going to inflict it on other people. It's like pouring lighter fluid onto a fire. It very rarely works to resolve the situation. Try to pause for a moment before you respond and that in itself is telling your brain, this isn't an emergency. It can take a minute to think. Everything's okay. And then your solution, your response is going to be better for everyone. And if you can, commit to some form of exercise every day. I know I talk about it every week, but the endorphins we get from exercise are incredibly good for you in terms of your mood, your feeling of well-being, how you respond to the challenges. Because we can't get rid of the backpack completely, but the endorphins help to shrink it so you can't take on too much. I should say that there comes a point where you need to get professional help and if it's affecting you so much you've developed signs of depression or anxiety, you're really not sleeping at night and you've not experienced any enjoyment in your usual activities for two or three weeks or more, please go and see your doctor and get referred to somebody like a psychologist, a counsellor. Get help sooner rather than later. Because the long-term impact on your physical and mental health isn't worth putting it off. But remember, you have the power to make changes in how you respond to the stress. Even if you can't empty the backpack completely, and we always have a certain amount of rocks in there because of our ADHD, we can choose to go for a daily walk to release some endorphins. We can choose to make time every day for what I call the non-negotiable fun. We can choose to make meaningful connections and to have friendships with other people that feed back that wonderful connection, those conversations that allow us to laugh and to cope with the challenges that everyone experiences. You can learn what sets off your stress response and how it affects your ADHD. And I believe that you can do this. And I believe that you can reduce the number of stones that you allow to be put into your backpack on a daily basis. And the less we're carrying every day, the more possibility we have to reach a destination that is really joyful and meaningful for us. Let me know if you're going to apply anything that we've talked about today, what you recognise as the source of your stress and how you're going to manage it going forward. And if you know somebody who's stressed or you've stressed and you've been living with someone, can you share this episode with them so they understand why they need to take care of themselves too? Maybe you can even work together and reduce the stress, whether that's at home or at work. 
Let me know what you're going to do with this and come back next week where we're going to do some misbusting of ADHD because there's just too many and it's causing a stress impact on too many people. We're going to address the big myths in ADHD and why they're affecting our emotions so much. Don't forget to come back next Wednesday for the next episode of ADHD Powerful Possibilities. I'm your friend ADHD coach Catherine and it is a privilege to be with you every week. Take care.